This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Watchfowlers. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the North American Waterfowler. My name is Elliot. I am your host here. I hope that you have been enjoying these podcasts that I've been doing here for you guys. I know that I have really been loving it. So thank you so much for viewing. Now what you're about to hear today is I'm having my father on, whose name is Carl. If you watch my YouTube channel, Freelance Duck Hunting, you might know him as Fumble Mitts. And he just gave about an hour discussion with me about his childhood, about how our family heritage moved into Kansas, kind of a little about the history of Kansas, and then also about a tragedy that defined his entire life. When he was six years old, his father and his two brothers, the day after Christmas, went ice skating. They lived on a little farm clear out in central western Kansas. They went out ice skating when he was six years old, fell through the ice, and all three of them died. And this was a life-altering situation for my dad. It has been a cloud over our family, not necessarily in a negative way for me because I had a wonderful childhood. He was a wonderful father. My mother was a wonderful mother. But it always was there. And I think it was always there in his heart. And it was a completely a life-defining situation for him. For Little Fumblemets as a six-year-old. He was actually begging to go on this trip on the ice. He was begging to go and they wouldn't let him. There was another group of guys, a father and a son, that wanted to go ice skating before his dad and brothers had gone out. And they decided not to go ice skating because they could tell the ice was too thin. As they were driving away from the pond and back back away, this husband, this uh, man and son, father and son, they drove by my dad's um, family farmhouse. And one of them said to the other, hey, we should go tell the Snyders that it's too thin not to go. And the other one said, nah, they'll figure it out. Well, they didn't figure it out. On a display in my front room right now, I've got a pocket watch. And that pocket watch is stuck on 130. And that watch stopped at the time that the icy cold water killed it. And so it's a display piece in my house. It's going to be passed down to my son And I'm going to make sure he understands the significance of what that means to our entire family. 
it's a reminder that every single moment you have to be careful of the decisions that you make in life and, and in hunting because it could be the last decision that you ever made, that you ever make. So I just spent an hour talking to my dad about all of that situation. It's pretty deep, private, personal. That hour is on Patreon. That's for my patrons. Patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. A portion of these podcasts of the North American Waterfowl are held over there at Patreon. That's why when you go in and you look at the list of my podcast, you'll see episode three, episode four, episode five. You may not see episode one, two, seven, eight, because some of them are going over there. This one I'm splitting into two because this topic is so important that I want you to listen to it. Every year, people die waterfowl hunting. This year it happened in Kansas. We talked about it. We will talk about it. And it happens. People die. And it's normally around cold weather. It's normally around ice. So I am going to um, give for you the discussion that my father and I had about ice, being safe on ice, dogs on ice. That's what we're going to talk about for about the next hour. If you want to hear that entire podcast where we talk all about the tragedy that happened to my dad as a child that led him up to instill a important fear in me about ice and hunting, then you can go to patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting and you can get in on that. So I'm going to take a quick break here and when I come back, we are going to get right into this topic with my dad, Carl Fummelmitz, the assassin. And we're going to give you a lot of information that if you're a new hunter or you just haven't thought about that much, or if you're a seasoned hunter, because even seasoned hunters forget sometimes how important these decisions can be when it comes to your safety and waterfowl hunting. So Carl Fumbles, the assassin, and myself are going to discuss this whole topic for the next hour here on North American Waterfowler. We'll be right back. Had a dream I was alone, vast expanse of complete unknown. See a glass so clear it shone like gold. basis of this podcast after going a long ways around to get to that is ice is absolutely no joke and ice is something that you have to in waterfowl hunting that you've got to take very very seriously in his tragic event we had two different groups that went to the skating lake the first two evaluated it now, imagine in that time, there's no TV, there's no social media. So going to do something as farmers, so they barely, had their, their sports outlet. Barely any radio. Barely any radio. So as far as, we live our lives around leisure fun in this yeah, country. Yeah. I mean, every time you go to your fun, it's because you're trying to get that um, that little fix of, I think it's endorphins. Yeah. I mean, I think that's right. what it's called. I it's it uh, serotonin spikes. Yeah. And... In those times, you just you just grinded through life. So when you had a social event or when you had sports, that's why they were so into sports. That was their fix. Yeah. Our fix is waterfowl hunting, but yeah. watching shows. I mean, so much of our life is leisure. So for them, going to that ice, they probably talked about it nonstop before they did it. All the excitement, because this was like a, a big event. Two groups went to the ice hole. One group looked at it. And denied themselves that fun because of safety. Yeah. Your family looked at it. And who knows? There may have been discussion. Your dad and um, older brother may have been like, oh, I don't know. And which one was more of the daredevil, Max or Rex? 
I guess Max was. Max. So Max may have been there going, no, no, it's okay. It's, which I've done to you in our hunting career. Yeah. yeah. I've goaded you into doing you stuff we probably shouldn't have done. Into stuff that wouldn't have been right? It could have been that scenario. Yeah. And so the basis of this information for you guys is you have to be willing, no matter what, how many ducks are there, no matter how many geese are there, you have to make a level-headed evaluation of the situations, whether it's ice whether it's wind on a lake, whatever it is, and you have to be willing to walk away. Because you never know if you make the right decision that avoids your death or someone you're with death, you're never going to know it. You and I may have made decisions in our life that avoided death. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But if you make that wrong decision, everyone is going to know it. Yeah. And so you have to be level-headed. So we're going to get into, and I don't know, we can go back and forth and just talk about it. Let's talk about times in our life where it's been tragically close to not necessarily death, but specifically about, let's start with ice. Events we remember about ice that could have gone the wrong way or maybe we allowed it to get a little too dangerous. Do you have, I've got several in mind. Do you have any in mind? Well, I have one specifically in mind, uh, but just to add to what you said, we come to, we're going down a path in our life and we come to a decision point and it's a, a why in our life trail. If we go one way, it's going to change our life in one way. If we go the other way, maybe it's just, you don't even know you've gone on a, on a why. And if you make the wrong choice, it can change the entire rest of your life. Right. And when you, when you go down to, let's say, a river with ice, and you've got your dog, and you, you, you've got people that you've invited to come with you, let's say, and everybody wants to go hunting, and you get down there, and you have to ask yourself, what is the, what is the situation here? What is it worth me risking? What's worth risking the life of my dog? Uh, on the other hand, uh, what's what's the risk of losing a duck that I shot? You you weigh those two. Well, in my, in my book, the dog is about a thousand times more valuable than that, than that duck that got away. Right, and ice rules around dogs tend to be more lax than they are around people. I remember a time when we were hunting a pond, and. I don't know why we had a little, but we probably took a little boat just for this very thing that happens, is my guess. I don't I remember think, why. I think we did bring a boat. It was a little pond. It, I don't it, know. it was a little, because the ice. We probably brought it for this very, very reason. Because that's we, the only reason we would have brought all it. All we had to do was lift that boat up over the barbed wire fence, and we were right at the pond. So, so it, wasn't hard to get it was me, you, and your second dog, Ebony. This would have, it would have been Ebony. Yeah, it was Ebony. And we were hunting a little pond. And I have I only remember one thing about the the waterfowl hunt is that the ebony went out on the ice, fell through, and she was not an ice climber. Your first dog, Duchess, was an ice climber. Um, Georgie has climbed the ice once. Now climbing the ice once does not make them a consistent ice climber. Yeah, they have to be able to repeat it. Duchess yeah. could do it. And it has to be deep enough water that they can't push off of the bottom to climb the ice. Yeah, because then mean, they'll just sit there and hop on it. Yeah, they can push off their hind legs and push right up on the ice. Right. And because I've I've had my dogs, you know, uh, on ice, off ice, back on ice, but it has to be really shallow. Right. But Duchess could climb without touching. Yeah, Duchess could could do that without touching the. Bottom. I wonder if they were to leave dogs do claws because they cut them off. If that would help dogs climb ice. I don't think so. And I don't know why they, you know, that's a different, I don't know yeah. why. Maybe I'll ask Chris Job and that why they cut dogs do claws off. I don't know. So, I don't know. I don't remember whether she was just wandering around out there or no. whether, I vaguely remember the hunt. I do think we were shooting some birds. So I don't know if she was going after the bird or what she was doing. Well, I had been on this pond before and I had evaluated it as to its depth. Mm -hmm. And I, I although... I, I didn't walk across, you know, clear across to everywhere, but I had walked across that pond up near the dam in the areas that I thought were the deepest. And so I, I just didn't, 
I didn't, there, there hadn't been any ice before, so I wasn't worried about it. But as I recall, I got in the boat and I started out onto the ice. And here came Ebony running right alongside me. And she got out a little ways and fell through. Well, that wasn't this time. I don't think was well, it. You tell the way you. Remember. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's true, but I I don't know how I got a hold of the boat. Well, I mean, I. You rescued me out of my situation. Did I? Okay. Uh, I don't know how I got out of the boat. You must remember the first part of the story then, because yeah. <laughs> I don't remember any of that. Yeah. What yeah, I remember. I remember being in the water in the boat, and the, and here comes Ebony's right alongside me on the ice. And she fell in. Okay, so you somehow we must have pulled you back. I must have pulled you back in the boat, got you out. Now this is a real. This is our Karsten's layout boats, yeah. really small little layout yeah. boat, like a yeah. six foot layout boat. Yeah. And then I remember going back out with the boat, and I was pushing it in front of me, and I was walking. Yeah. And I got to the point where there was I between me and um, Ebony was just all ice, and she could not get out of this hole. Yeah, the water was too deep for her to push off the right. water. Right, and so I remember I was breaking ice with the boat, trying to get out to her. And I got to the point where the water was over, just over my waders, because I got water all in my waders. I soaked yeah. my phone. Yeah. I was able to continue to break ice until I broke all the way to the hole. And I don't remember if she got back in the boat or what. But if we hadn't have brought the boat. Yeah. Well, we probably wouldn't have done it, but had we been out there without the boat, she could have drowned in that ice hole. Yeah. She could have easily drowned that ice hole. Yeah. And so from that point on, that changed everything with you about dogs and ice. Yeah. And you're more, you're more conservative than I am with, with dogs and, and ice. I, when I see a place that, that I'm going to hunt and there's ice, uh, and this could even apply to a large reservoir where there isn't ice, but it's sort of a different case. Mm -hmm. But uh, I I immediately start thinking of the scenarios that could happen, and how I can, what I can do to to eliminate the risk. Right. There was another time on the Kansas River, and it was Dan and Aiden and I hunting, and there was a hole. There was an ice hole open, and it was three, four, five hundred yards from where we were at and we wanted to get now this area i had i had been in this area a lot i'd been in this area during the summer i had waited it i had swam in it i had trained dogs in it so i was very very familiar with this area and, and as far as the kansas river goes that's that's my goal if i'm gonna um, hunt an area is to get to know it during warm weather but then the problem with that is in with the rivers, they're sand bottoms, and the sand can roll and the sand can change. Yeah. So when you don't have an ice hole, if you have a certain depth one day, a year later it may be different, and that has nothing to do with the water going up or down. That has to do with how the sand rolls and changes. Yeah. So you can't fully trust it, but it is, it is a good indicator. Yeah. And so Aiden was with me. He had an axe, and he had a long stick, and we would go about 10, 15 yards. He would chop a hole with his axe and put the stick down. And the ice was very, very thick. And, but there were some weird, there's weird, weird things that happened on the Kansas River with ice. Yeah. There was these little oxygen pockets is what I assume that they were. So you had a certain coloration of ice and then you had a little pocket, a little like really white bubble it looked like. And the bubble actually had a cap on it. Hmm. And those little bubbles were very breakable, breakthroughable. And I don't know whether you'd go to the bottom on those, but I know that they would crack and we stayed away from them. But there's little things like that that happen on the Kansas River, and I've got another couple of examples of, of this on the Kansas River that just are like weird that you don't know about. But So we avoided those, but we were walking, Aiden was chopping, we were checking depth, checking depth. And, and so we made it all the way out to the hole, and we felt very, very safe in doing so. This is not something I ever would have done by myself, but we felt pretty safe. And we had, a, we had kayaks with us. Um, we had life jackets. So we felt pretty safe. So we set up on the ice hole, three of us set up there, and we, we realized that we couldn't, we flushed, we flushed a bunch of them. And I'll, put, I'll try to put the video to this, if I remember, on, on Patreon. So if you guys want to reference um, this event and what, and what it looked like. But we, we soon realized that you could only shoot one shooter at a time 
to kill the birds, which we've done a lot of times on the on the Kansas yeah. River. Yeah. Where you don't have anything to hide, so you're all wearing white, you lay out on the ice hole, and you can actually decoy them decently compared to two or three people you just can't. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like you can. And so I think Aiden shot one, and then we were switching out, and it was Dan's turn to shoot one. Now, once we got to the ice hole, we, Aiden got in the ice hole, we walked all around it, um, checked the depth on it, and now there was one side of this ice hole that Aiden was starting to get a little uncomfortably deep on. Not over his head, but it got close enough to where, you know, his wader line that he just kind of stopped, and he's like, I'm, you know, let's stay out of this area. Um, and so you had an ice hole, and then a little section of about 15 yards of ice, and then a secondary smaller ice hole off the back of it. And that area where it went ice hole to strip of ice to ice hole, we were nervous about. Well, I guess we didn't communicate that well enough to Dan. Because I think sometimes you get used to, like, maybe I'm just used to it with you or Aiden, and I just know that you know yeah. that's not area you don't go. Yeah. Dan apparently didn't know. So Dan shot one. We didn't have any dogs with us on this day because that type of setting, you know, with the with the river, we just sometimes we'll take the dogs, sometimes we'll leave them, which we'll talk a little bit more about that about that later. Dan shot one, and he walked over there, and he fell partially through. He fell partially through, and he landed on, like, his butt and up to his back where under, we're taking in water, but he didn't fall all the way through, so his whole body didn't go down. And then he stood up and walked back. And I didn't get a great view on it. I still can't quite figure out why only a portion of him fell in. But with, with that river, the current is a lot stronger than you think that it is. Had he fell all the way through in that stance where his butt was going in first, and his... So if you imagine going in butt first with your feet out in front of you and your head behind you, the current is enough that by the time you hit the bottom and bounce up, you could very easily be under ice. Yeah. Now, maybe he would have come up on the next hole. Maybe it wasn't as deep as we thought, and he would have been standing there. But it was a much more dangerous scenario than what yeah. I think anyone realized. Yeah, yeah, well, definitely. And uh, you just have to be asking yourself, you know, it's you don't have to worry about this thing when before it freezes. You know, because you got wide open water and everything, and and uh, if uh, if you're going to hunt on a big lake, you really need a boat of some kind to chase a duck or to rescue the dog. And I've had, I've had situations when my dog got so far out chasing a cripple that I, I I couldn't even tell which direction she was going. Right, like a tiny little speck in the distance. Yeah, yeah, and in those kind of situations. Uh, you, you, you know, I, I had some really strong, motivated dogs. And if you, if they got after a cripple and that cripple's flapping and stuff and they can't catch him, the, you know, the, when are they going to give up? And High drop dogs are not going to give up. Yeah. I, I had a dog where I get shocked with a number five pug and she would not break off. Right. And I'm really proud of her, but, you know, it's not something you want to do to figure out how, just how much your dog can endure without getting, you know, too cold or, or, uh, or you know, breaking off the, the, the chase. Right. We had another situation where, now this was a friend situation. Well, Aiden and Charlie Radford and myself hunted geese on the Kansas River, and we shot our limit. It's the best goose hunt of my life without a close second. And there was one area that we had identified as a little dangerous. Because with this river, the current, you can look online and see what the current is running. You can get that number. But the way the river works is if certain areas of the river spread out really far, it's going to run slower. And if it channelizes, then all the all the water's got to go through. Well, not, it channelizes isn't a right way to do it. If it Somehow, it'll it, like the channel will go on a bend. Right. And if the channel goes on a bend where all the water has to, will, will go through that section, then it, it becomes much, much stronger. And with that, the sand gets funneled out because you've got the right. soft sand, so you you've got water going through. You've got a new hole. You can be walking. You've got a new hole. 
walking along in two inches of water and step into three feet of water or six right. feet of water or whatever. Right, yeah, you can. And so we shot our limit, no problems, but we had identified a dangerous area. In fact, Charlie dropped a goose over there and Aiden kind of went over to try to get it, and Aiden's like, no. I'm like, leave it. It's not worth it. So we didn't even go over there because it was just that area was obviously a no-go zone, and you see yeah. some of those you see some of those areas. Yeah. So that, that kind of goes into shot selection, too. If you're in an area where <clears throat> it's dangerous if you shoot the bird over there, don't shoot over there. Right. You have to restrict yourself. It's just like when we used to have dogs in our small layout boats, you, you couldn't shoot anything in front of you because that's where the dog was. So you had to only shoot this one little area. Mm -hmm. And so you, 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 it's a matter, in that case, it becomes a matter of shot selection. And you've got to remind yourself constantly about the hunt. Because oh, once you get that adrenaline of the birds in front of you, you can yeah. forget that really easily. Yeah. Really you, easily. You just have to be asking yourself, is there any way that this dog could fall through and not be able to get back to me and, right. and I not be able to rescue. The current has an awful lot to do with that. Right, it absolutely does. And the depth of the water and, and the, the, the thickness of the ice and, uh, you know, and, and even for moving beyond that to yourself, if you're wading across this river and it gets real deep and the, the is a little stronger than you thought it was it can wash you right off your feet and we've got a story of that happening too which i'll go into in, in a second all these stories for us are around the kansas river the kansas river and i hate to even say this because as my parents are getting older they try to be on me about doing stuff that you and i have done our whole life yeah but kansas river is our most dangerous area yeah. kansas river with ice is the most dangerous thing that we do and i and being alone is a major factor yeah and i have hunted the kansas river alone many times and I reserve the right to continue to do that. But it's just, you have to be, you. it goes back to, you have to be willing to not do it. I was out by myself hunting the, the, the river. And, well, let, let me get this a second, because I want to go back to that, what I was saying before about Charlie and, and Aiden and I. Yeah. Um, a few days later, Charlie took a couple other guys out there, and he didn't properly prep. It's the same thing with Dan. He didn't properly prep. One guy he was with, it was a little more inexperienced hunter about where to go and not go. In that same area where we left the bird, the guy went out there and fell through. And I don't know the specifics, but I know that they felt it was very close to a, a death tragedy. Yeah. It was very, very close situation because they still talk about it to this day. I went out hunting with Steve on our last river hunt, and he referenced that. I mean, it's like that group of guys references the situation. And when you know... That, that when you're around these guys and over time they reference the situation multiple times like that, it was serious. Yeah. It was yeah. a serious, serious yeah. thing. Yeah, you know, when you go out there, you're saying, okay, there, there's a hazard here. What do I think the chances of something bad happening? Um, is there one chance out of ten? Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to take one chance out of ten on my dog or my, my life. One thing's out of a thousand for my life. And, you, you know, you can't, well, nothing will happen. Well, yeah, you're right. Probably nothing will happen. But what are the chances that something might happen? Yeah. In those situations, every, I, I've had, I remember at least one time where I was in an area where I didn't, not that I was in direct danger at the moment, but I felt like there was some snares that could unfold that would put me in danger. And every step I took, I was whispering to myself, you don't want to die today. Yeah. You don't want to die today. Yeah. You don't want to die today. Yeah. I mean, I was taking that level of, and not that I was on the brink of stepping off and dying, but I knew that this was the type of day where careless bad decisions yeah. might lead to something bad happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I was hunting by myself on the Kansas River this time, nothing bad happened. It was just me and his, I was supposed to go with Jeff and someone else. And they both bailed out. This was the day the Chiefs played the Colts in the playoffs, and they were up by like 27 and came back and lost. And the Colts came back and being lost. I, I would never forget that. I mean, uh, that was a tragic day for sure. But I was out there, and I had been out there previously. You and Dan and I had been out there. We shot a bunch of mallards, and Nevin was with us. It's the uh, when he was bracing the can of soup with shotgun shells. So we went out there a few days later. Well, the Kansas River, um, 
height of the water changes dramatically. And especially sometimes when it gets icy, some of the reservoirs will pump out some water if it's too high because it has to do with the marina and damaging boats with ice. And I don't fully understand it, but that's my that's my understanding of why they do it. It has okay. to do something with boat docks and marinas. Okay. So as soon as you get some ice, you'll get a freeze, and boom, they'll crank out a bunch of water. And so what will happen is you get a freeze, and huge parts of the Kansas River will freeze up. Then they'll put water on top of that. And when they do that, that first layer of ice will actually get covered in sand. So as you're walking, you think you're walking on sand, but you're actually walking on a secondary layer of ice. So if you break through one layer of ice, or even if it doesn't refreeze, if it doesn't refreeze, the water they pump out, you can have layer of ice with water on top of it, that you, but, it but it feels like a sand bottom. Yeah. Or you can have ice, water, ice, like a water sandwich. Mm-hmm. And so I went to this area, and that's what had happened, but it, the water was back down. So it had gone ice, water on top, ice on top of that, then they stopped putting out the water, and the the river went way back down. And so um, the visuals was really, really weird because you had huge, big sections of blocks of ice just laying on top of sand now because of the water reduction. And so I came upon a hole out there, and I videoed it, and it was like nothing I had ever seen. Somehow I think that the water got trapped in the ice and... And the only way it had to funnel through this one area, and I don't know how deep this hole was, but it was a I'd say ten yards by ten yards to twenty yards by twenty yards, and I was on the rim of it, and I and you could look into this hole, and I have absolutely no how no idea how deep the hole was, but I know it was probably well above your waders. It seemed in my mind like about a ten footer, and you could this hole it was a perfect circle, so you could look right, you could walk. I was right on the rim of it, just looking down in this hole. And I'm thinking, what if was that hole, if there was three more feet of water in there, you wouldn't have been able to see there was a hole there. I, it was about calf deep, and then you look down at the hole. Well, as that water was leaving out, what if I had been there when there was two or three feet of water? And where there's enough cloudiness in the water, you don't see that hole. Now, chances are, if you fall in a hole like that and you're in your waders, you're going to be able to get out. There was no current there. You're going to be able to get out. But the point is, around ice and water on at least like the Kansas River, just really, really strange things take place that you never would expect to take place. Like, I, I, I'm i going to start asking people that hunt the Kansas River, do you know what a double layer of ice is and what causes it? I bet you that very, very few guys know that that exists, yeah. the double layer of ice. Um, we've hunted the Kansas River 20, since I've been recording, about 27 times since I've been keeping track of that. Mm-hmm. And that's probably over the last 15 years we've done that. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe other guys know about the double layer of ice. I'm the only person I've ever known that's talked about it or referenced it. I don't think many people know that that particular thing happens. happens. I was out with the Texas boys, and it was that exact situation. Um, it was ice... And then they raised the water, so it was water on top of ice. It wasn't the two layer of ice. It was, it was one layer of ice underneath the water. And I was beside the boat, and I was with the Texas boys, and I fell through that bottom layer of ice. And I was holding, I was holding the boat at the time, so I hung on the boat. I have no idea how deep it was. Chances are it was not over waist deep, because that river is very very shallow. Yeah. But I don't know how deep that was, and I had, I had no idea. That I was on a layer of ice. I thought absolutely certain I was on I was on the bottom, and so what we have to do, and and um, is monitor those levels. If you're going to hunt a river like that, you you need to be looking at the level. So if I'm going to go on a, a river hunt like that, I need to be on USGS real time water data, and I need to see what the levels have done over the last couple of weeks, because you can you can predict when that is going to happen if you look at those. You'll see a big influx of water. Um, and you, you can look, okay, when did the freeze come? What has the influx of water been since then? So it, you can predict and know exactly when those conditions are. Yeah. But I don't think many people even know about those yeah. conditions exist. Yeah. Well, you have to know about them in order to check for them. Right, you have to know about them. Or to, or, or the, just that huge hole. That people know that channels are a little bit deeper, but just a circular hole in the middle of, yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It was 
really, really strange. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I've got a, a question to ask, to ask, uh, and that is, if you've got a, let's say, a pond, okay, you have no current, so you don't have to worry about that, and you, and it, it's, um, but there are deep places in the pond. It's not one of those things where you can cross the whole, the whole pond. And so you go in with your dog or even without your dog. And so you've got this open water and you've got ice and then you've got, uh, I, was, I thought of something else while I was talking. And so you go in there and you shoot a duck over the deep water mm -hmm. and it lands clear up on the ice on the other side. Right. Okay, so the dog goes over and gets the bird or doesn't get the bird and he tries to come back and he breaks through and he's not able but he's not able to get back up on the ice it's too deep for that what are you going to do right you're probably going to try to save your dog yeah well i think that there's a lot of situations in ponds and still waters when you got a marsh and it's not over waist deep then you know it's you can feel pretty pretty comfortable with that but as long as you understand which where there are deep parts but uh, which you so which is very easier said than done on that one I mean ponds if, if you wait a pond in the summers then you will know those yeah, aren't gonna change exactly but who's gonna go out there and, and you should if you have consistent ponds you hunt yeah. you certainly should but if you've got deep water, I don't think that's a consistent habit that people do <laughs> Yeah. You can say, oh, that's kind of deeper. Normally up by the dam's a little deeper. Right, 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 yeah. You have to be careful about that. And here's here's another thing that I experienced, and well, I, I sort of experienced it. If you're out walking around, say, picking up your decoys in fairly deep water, or uh, but not over, not over your waders, or you're doing anything else where there's a current or something like that, and you put the gun over your shoulder so that you can get your hands free and you get out in that deeper water or in the current and it sweeps you, it knocks you off your feet or you step in a hole. Let me tell you, it is hard to swim with a gun around your neck. Because <laughs> you had that happen. I had that, <laughs> that was a shallow marsh, though, it was where it happened to you. It was a shallow marsh. It wasn't even a river with current. And I went out, and I, it was right up to the top of my waders, and I stepped into just a little deeper water, and I went down, and my waders failed, and I'm thinking, well, I'm real close to the island here. I just swim back over there. Well, guess what, man? That, that is hard swimming. <laughs> A friend that was with me was laughing his butt off. Well, part of this was the flotation of the waders was keeping your feet off the ground. Well, yeah. you weren't in over your head. Yeah, no, I wasn't. But it was it was up over the top of my, uh, close to the top of my waders. Because mm -hmm. they had dug it out there. Yeah, yeah. And so I mean, and you just you got to think about these things. Yeah. And, uh, we could sit here and give examples all night long, but if if you understand the risk and you've got you've got a brain you can figure these things out in most cases but if you just say well you know that, that's not gonna happen let's go ahead and go well you know it may be no probably won't happen but on the other hand what if it does right and I, I am still going to hunt the Kansas River um, but I recommend you take somebody with you. Yeah. Well, I, I that probably will be the case. I mean, there would be situations in which I might. I mean, I'm not going to promise to stick to that forever, but um, 
This thing would get washed under the ice. It's terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. And but I mean, like in the video, I'm gonna talk a little bit more about later. And the, so we hunted um, the river one time this year, and the the name of the video is called "Amazing Ice Hole River Duck Hunt." This doesn't happen very often. The first place that we set up there is an example of where I would certainly hunt and I would hunt with Georgie because it wasn't really an ice hole. Yeah. It was a you had a flow a of river that channel. went on several hundred yards. It was a channel that was just open. A shallow channel. And the and the current was strong there. Yeah. But not deep. You're not gonna not I mean it was yeah, it was about waist deep. Yeah. But it was a big current, but there's nothing your dog is gonna go under. Right. Um, nothing you can't wade there. So that would be a situation of something. I would certainly have that by myself. Yeah. And the walk to it was all easy and shallow. Yeah. Yeah. Now in that hunt we moved to a secondary place that was an ice hole. Now that there the current was less there, but the very end of the ice hole was about waistish deep. Um, and you could see the water sucking under the end of that ice hole. And there was actually as as ice would chunks would get down there, the current would suck half of it under and the ice would go vertical. So sometimes like an ice chunk would be kind of pinned there by the current. So the current wasn't nothing. Yeah. But it wasn't like the first place. Yeah. The dog at the first place, because Jason, the night before this hunt, I was really concerned about Georgie for a couple reasons. Number one, I haven't acclimated her to weather. And number two, I just get really nervous about my little Georgie and ice and everything. And I was on the fence with her, and Jason and I were talking. And Jason's like, you know, I think I'm going to go ahead and bring my dog. I'm going to bring Molly. And then I, I was like, okay, I'm just going to leave Georgie. I'm just, I'm too nervous. I'm not feeling good about it. I'm going to leave her. I talked to Steve Hammock, who has a dog too. And he's like, I don't do ice with my dog. So St Steve's is like, if there's ice involved, my dog's at home. He's just flat, flat line. Yeah, and I'm close to that. Where I am, really close. I'm a little bit more um, liberal on it to where I'm like, so there's kind of three levels. Like, even when they were there, Jason had a little less concern than I had. Um, and so there was three kind of tiers of hunters. And there was a couple of there was a couple of times when that dog went around the ice on the back end of that hole. That was the only danger spot for that dog, is the back end of that hole. And there was a bird that got wished and washed into it, and he did let his dog go around that back end and pick the dog up. So the ice wasn't strong enough, it wasn't sucking ducks under the hole. Yeah. So to give you a full picture, yeah. if it's not sucking a duck under the hole, it's not yeah. that. Yeah. A dog could probably good. even swim over there and because the dog could swim against this current. Well, I noticed in that that video that you shared that in some in some places the dog could barely make make. A and that was the first hole up, up the river. That was the first hole the dog couldn't. Even well, right. yeah, just I mean, basically, some places in this river, the current will get so strong a dog holds still. Right. I've never seen a dog lose ground on this river, yeah. but I have seen my dogs because I've hunted this river with three dogs. Yeah, and I've seen I've seen them hold steady to where they're just not making any ground at all. I've never seen them losing ground on it. But the first the first place was certainly heavy heavy current. Well, I remember one case with Izzy where she was still a puppy, a big puppy, and she got out in that icy water over her head, and she finally just decided, to heck with it, I'm going back to the boat. Yeah, that was her first year, her first ice hunt yeah. ever. Um, so the the video got a lot of feedback as far as the, the dog was one of the stars of the video, quite oh. honestly. She was doing stuff that was amazing. Right. But the fact that she was doing amazing stuff tells you that it was close to the edge of what you shouldn't be doing. It was, uh, yeah. And I'm not even going to judge Jason and say his dog shouldn't have been there. I mm -hmm. think we shouldn't have let his dog run around the back end of that hole. Yeah. Because if it had fallen in there, then who knows if it had got sucked under or not. Yeah. I know there was two two of my goose decoys had, because of the current um, and the plastic coating on the weights, had floated right up against that section of the hole. And I let him, Jason was going to walk down there and get the decoys. And I told him, no, do not do it. Mm -hmm. Leave those decoys there. Because I was, I tried to walk to him and I was, I got to the point where I was nervous. It was getting a little deeper in that section. Right. And, and I felt nervous. Right. And I, I would not let him go and get those decoys. Yeah. And so we shouldn't have let his dog 
go around the back end of that hole. But that that's the only part. Now, on the comments of this video, there was tons of people. What a dog. Great yeah, hunt. Oh, it was impressive. Um, right. But then there was also quite a few comments. What a spot and great shooting. Dog work was off the scale. Lots of positive comments about the dog work. But there was also quite a few comments questioning um, that dog is legit. I'm looking at him right now. Not the conditions for a dog. You lose a dog to ice, you'll understand. So there was mixed, mixed critiques. Yeah. And I will say, watching the video, because I went back after we got a lot of these comments about the dog shouldn't have been there on this video. Um, and I went back and watched the video from, and I tried to watch it from eyes of someone that didn't wasn't there. And I do think it looked more dangerous than it was. Yeah. But I think maybe it was a tad bit more dangerous than what I was giving it recognition for. Yeah. As far as dog, I don't feel like we were in a situation of danger for humans. There, no. we walked that hole, yeah. we were along the bank. But I do think that maybe we didn't quite give enough credence for, yeah. the, for the dog on there. You know, uh, since I started hunting ducks, I don't know where I got this idea, but I got the impression that there were times when these guys have these Chesapeake Bay Retrievers, and the Chesapeakes are known for being tough. I mean, they will overcome anything. And I've seen them in hunt tests, and they're not as obedient as they ought to be. But, but boy, you you get a, a Chesapeake Bay Retriever after a wounded bird, and, and they're unbelievable. But if, if I've got a Chesapeake Bay Retriever, I got the idea that even if they had big chunks of ice on the Missouri or on the Mississippi, you're going to let your, your Bay Retriever go into that mess. And, mm -hmm and expect him to come back out and praise him for how wonderful that is. Well, I, if I have a dog that, that will take himself into that kind of situation, then, then I, I'm not going to hunt him in that situation. Right. Yeah. So I guess the, the whole point of what we are talking about is that tragic deaths do occur yeah. on the ice. Yeah. They do occur in the cold and like I said about every five years um, it happened this year some guy was kayaking on a res on a re on a reservoir in Kansas by himself I think he's by himself I'm yeah, pretty sure he was. he was and he was in water over his head in a kayak and he did he died um, a few years out at John Redmond Reservoir a guy and uh, two guys and their son died out there because the wind were the winds were too heavy so I don't think it was over their head even it was just too it was just too heavy a wind. They couldn't. They couldn't. Uh, something they couldn't do. They would rescue themselves. Yeah, I don't remember the specifics. I know they died. There was another one this year on Milford. I think it was on Milford Lake. And someone died. He did not die, but he he went out. There, there was a heavy wind, and he went out to try to straighten his decoys or something. Mm -hmm. And oh, he, okay, this wasn't a kayak. This was he had a motor and everything, and he tried to start the motor up go back to shore and he couldn't start couldn't mm. get it started yeah and he drifted all the way across wherever it was right up against the ice right and he was he, stranded he had to be rescued and in fact it the people that were rescuing him had trouble yeah and he got out okay and everything but you know it's just like when i used to i used to float the rivers in missouri they were they were just for recreation, you know, they were beautiful, but whenever I went down a stretch where I saw the current turn and, you know, like a... Little dog leg? Yeah, dog leg or something. I wanted to see how fast that water was coming out of that dog leg mm -hmm. because I did never wanted to get myself in a situation where I, I'm not strong enough to divert, I mean, to keep from going under a log or something. Yeah. And Which happened to you when we were playing... Down in uh, the Black River in Missouri, oh, where yeah. you got kicked under a yeah. log. And for yeah, a while, your glasses flew off, and you were... Yeah, I This was, was about 10 years ago. Not even that. Not even 10 years that. ago. Like that. six or seven years ago. Yeah, I, I, I went out of that. But, I mean, we were watching the we're river. in tubes. Yeah, and I, he kicked me out. and, and I, Cause the next, next thing I know, I'm under this log, right up against it. Right. And in that situation, the water, they had had flooding. 
and upriver, and the water raised, and the current increased over over an hour. Right. And we it got a little bit but dangerous. It was still clean and clear. And it didn't look that dangerous. No, it didn't. So, in summary, the decisions that people make around cold weather and ice, don't kid yourself. People die. People die, and it impacts everyone around them for the rest of their lives. And when you find yourself in a situation where I, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're probably as enthusiastic about waterfowl hunting as we are. You are a North American waterfowler. And when we see a situation where we find the X and we find mallards and we find geese, our heart starts pumping. We want to hunt. We want to hunt. Your adrenaline goes up. You're just daydreaming about what could be. But in those moments, you need to daydream all really daydream about what could be and it could be a death it could be a death of you a friend your dog and we just encourage you to make those decisions very very carefully very very seriously get to know the areas that you're hunting whether it's a river or a lake monitor the weather don't just go because assuming you're going to be fine because sometimes people aren't and the impact that that has can be lifelong so take all of these stories and apply them to your life and your scenarios and your waterfowl hunting because it's not worth losing a dog or losing people to make those bad decisions. But just be thoughtful in what you're doing. We hope that you have a great end of your season, or if you're listening to this off-season, we hope that you think about these things um, and really spend time um, in thoughtful decision about what you are going to do with your career. Well, thank you for joining me and telling all the stories about um, your life. It's awesome to get a recorded history of that because a lot of those details I didn't even know. Yeah. And if I won't forget them now because we got it recorded <laughs> forever. So, yeah. um, Well, thank you for joining us. This has been another episode of the North American Waterfowler.